0: and find Ephesians, would you please? Ephesians chapter four, again this evening. And uh, God bless you for joining us in Tuesday night of our family conference. And you're in the right place tonight. It's been a great day. I'm loving Michigan weather. It's uh, like this all the time. I just move up here. But uh, this is great. I, I love it. And uh, such a joy to be with you and to get reacquainted a little bit, fellowship with Pastor, sure. Love him and appreciate him. I love his spirit and his willingness to grow, and how the Lord's using him here. And I think there's great days ahead for your church. I'm so excited about that and praise the Lord for it. Hope you've had a good day. How many of you worked today? Let me see your hand. If you worked, how many of you made a ton of money? Well, that stinks. (laughs) That was really bad there. God bless you for trying, I guess. uh, Hey, have uh, have I told you all about my family there they are. Don't they look good? There's my girlfriend. We've been married 23 years, and we normally travel all the time. The last few years have been a little different for us. We had kids go to college, and that changed all kinds of stuff. And uh, kids in college, they're home for the summer, so they work. And so, the last few summers, my wife's been more home than ever before. And uh, we just things are changing in our movement. People don't schedule the way they used to. I. There was a time when I could schedule five meetings in one state and drive there and be there five weeks. And people don't schedule that way anymore. Sometimes I'm in New York and then Oregon and then back to Miami and up to the UP. And just I, my schedule, it's hard to get it organized that way. So I do fly some without the family now. But we, we, we lived 16 years. 16 years. We bought our first RV the first year my Abigail there was born. 16 years we lived in an RV. And I uh, loved every minute, it was 40 feet long, had two bedrooms and five bunks in the bedroom and uh, specialty things, 40 feet long, it was a big old RV but a tiny little house and we loved every minute of it. The kids just loved it. Sometimes uh, kids will go to college and complain, oh, our bedroom is so small, not my kids. <laughs> and they're like, wow, we got all this space and only three roommates, this is amazing. And so our kids loved it. And we always made it positive. My wife's, um, I, I, I just am amazed. She, she always made it positive. Traveling on the road with five kids, she just made it positive. And we always, our family verse was, serve the Lord with gladness. That's how we tried to live. Always be happy about it. Our pediatrician was Dr. Brad Fowle when we lived in Ohio. And he had five kids of his own. He's the one of the leading pediatricians in the state of Ohio. One day, our kids played with him. They were a lot smaller than they are now, and they played with his kids one Saturday. He had a beautiful home. I mean, great big rambling thing with a in-ground saltwater pool. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a pediatrician. He's got it all, and he was just uh, they're great family. Loved the Lord. Big house, and we lived in the RV. And the next day, he came to church on a Saturday. The next day, he came to church, and he said, uh, well, Brother Young, he said, my kids had a family meeting last night. They called for a family meeting, and the kids want to know if we can sell our house and move into an RV so we can be like the Youngs. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, isn't that funny? Kids aren't impressed by the big house we live in. What they really want is a happy family. It's what they want, and and our kids convinced them apparently that we were so happy they decided that that must be living in an RV that did it, and it wasn't living in an RV. It's just that we hid the guns, so we never killed each other. So <laughs> we we were we were surviving. But I just I love being a daddy. Right there's Abigail on the end. She's got a young man interested in her. I'm praying for him. Josh there behind her's got a young lady interested in him. And uh, then there's Matthew. He'll be a senior this fall. Jacob be a freshman. There's Charity Noel. She's my, she's my baby, my caboose, at least for right now. You never know. And uh, but, uh, there we are. I'm almost 50. I might, might as well have another, and that'll keep you young, I heard. And knowing us, we'd have quadruplets or something. And uh, boy, that'd change your life, wouldn't you, when you're 50? But uh, we are blessed. Here's what we're talking about in this conference. What in the world does a happy Christian home look like anyway? That's what we've been talking about. I don't know how far we'll go. We may change gears a little bit, but I figured I'd stay here for a few days. Really, really, you're in chapter 4, aren't you? Turn back a page or two and look at chapter 2. Here's the heartbeat of everything we believe. Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You believe as a Baptist church, don't you, that salvation is by grace through faith. Do you all believe that tonight? You don't go to heaven because you're a good person. Uh, You don't go to heaven because you're religious. You don't go to heaven because you're a Baptist or a Catholic or Episcopalian or Lutheran. You go to heaven if you're saved by grace through faith. That's what Paul's trying to say. And grace is everything God does for us through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you believe in Jesus, do you, that he died on a cross? Do you believe that? It's true. He died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is God's proof that he loves you. He sent his son to die for your sins. Because we're sinners, and we all are, we're separated from God. Can't go to heaven. Nobody can. Nobody's ever good enough. None of us ever will. I will never merit eternal life. I'll never deserve it. And because I'm a sinner, I'm separated from God. I, I, no matter how hard I try, I still sin. Are you that way? I still fail. I still come short. But Jesus Christ paid a debt once for all that I could never pay. He paid a full debt for every sin that's ever been committed or that ever will be. He died for our sins. And He was buried and raised from the dead. Now, you know this, don't you? Because He died for your sins, you can be forgiven. And because he was raised from the dead, you can have life eternal, life abundant, spiritual life. And really, this is where a happy Christian home starts. It starts with people like me and you coming to know a Savior named Jesus. And we are no longer now a sinner on the road to hell. We're now a child of God on the road to heaven. Not because we're Baptists, but because we got saved by grace through faith. There was a day we trusted Christ. That's the word faith. We put our faith in Christ, we believed in Christ, we received Christ, we, we turned to Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to assume anything tonight, uh, but I, I would like for you to consider, have you been saved like that? I, I knocked on, Mike and I went out this afternoon, knocked on, I don't know, 45, 50 doors, just prayed with people, talked to people. And we met uh, several folks a day. One lady said to me, she said, now, I, I ask her, are you on your way to heaven? I mean, are you sure about that? Oh, she said, I've been a Christian all my life. I was born that way. <laughs> That's what she said. And I don't mean to even chuckle about it. She was as sincere as the day is long. She believed she was born a Christian. But the Bible never teaches that. The Bible teaches that we are actually born a sinner. If you don't believe that, have some kids. That's kind of silly. It's true, isn't it? So all of us need a birthday, a spiritual birthday. All of us do. You're not born a Christian. You're not, you're not going to heaven because of something your parents did to you. You've got to come to a place in your life where you understand... I'm a sinner and I need to be born again. I need a spiritual birthday I need jesus to wash away my sins come into my life be my savior and my god I need jesus christ and you trust him turn to him and the bible calls it being born again You have a spiritual birthday When was your spiritual birthday when you knew you were a sinner going to hell and you trusted christ and you got saved Do you have a spiritual birthday? Mine's january the 19th I came to christ 1986 When I got saved a Sunday night, I turned, I was 15. I turned to Christ. That was my spiritual birthday. It's not that I got better that night. It's that I was made brand new through Jesus Christ. I trusted him. That's what he's trying to say in Ephesians 2. For by grace are you saved through faith. And he doesn't want you to miss it. So he says, it's not of yourself. It's not something you do. It's a gift from God. Forgiveness, eternal life, salvation. It's a gift from God. And then he says very clearly, it's not of works. So you're not going to be a good husband and make it to heaven. You'll never be a good daddy and make it to heaven because that won't save you. Only Jesus can do that. Do you agree with that tonight, church? So this is where it all starts. You've got to be saved. Then you get to chapter 4, and I've said it. How many times have I said it? Too many times, haven't I? You get to chapter 4, and he changes gears, and he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Now you're saved on your way to heaven if you've been born again. And God saved you so you would live the Christian life. God doesn't want you to stay the way you were. Can I even say it like this? God doesn't want you to stay the way you are. See, somebody here tonight, you're doing good. You're fine. I'm doing good. In fact, we've got some goods in the building tonight, don't we? I, I met at least one good or two goods. And, and somebody said, well, I'm good. And I'm fine. I'm okay. I've been saved for years. Yeah, but God doesn't want you to stay the way you are. Be honest tonight. How many of you could pray more? Could you at least do that? See, so we need to grow some more, don't we? Could you be a better soul winner? How long has it been since you won somebody to Jesus? I mean, you. How long has it been since you even tried? Is that fair? How long has it been since you personally, there was somebody you were, on, you were working on, you were working on, them. you were working on them, and you just kept working on them, you wanted them to be saved, you were working on them, you were concerned about them, you were praying about it, you were going to see them, you were talking to them, you were just hoping against everything in the world that they had come to know Christ. Is there anybody in your life like that, that you're working on, working on, working on, working on? My neighbor across the street It's an older man, his wife, she's a, they're, they're both way on up in years feeble. Uh, he, he's had an alcohol problem, and now he's paying a price for it. He's really suffering, and both of them smoke terribly, smoke terribly, and now they're struggling physically. They've about killed themselves, seriously. Then I work on them, and he, he's a funny. They're, they're old time, she's, she's actually old-time Pentecostal, and uh, she, she wears, a, she wears a, a big curly wig when she gets out. And uh, she just, they're just the most unique couple, older couple. And I said to him one day, I said, Do you know, I really want you to go to church with me. You need to get saved. And, and, and I just keep talking, keep talking. He said, well, I'd go to church, he said, but I can't. And I said, well, why in the world not? He said, because I smoke. And I said, well, we won't let you smoke in the building. But for crying out loud, if you've got to go out to your car and smoke a cigarette, I, I was being silly, but I said, my wife will join you. She'll just go with you. And he and he rolled his eyes. He said I know better than that. I know better than that But I kept after him. I prayed for him. I I prayed for him today. I prayed for Richard and Mary today And and I just kept working and christmas eve last year. He went to church with me. I'll go christmas eve And the gospel was given And he trusted christ Amen. Is there anybody like that see all of us can grow some of you have been saved for years. It's been a long time since you loved somebody. What I'm trying to say is you're saved on your way to heaven. Now you've got to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. God doesn't want you to stay the way you were. And he doesn't even want you to stay the way you are. He wants you to be growing. And nowhere is that more obvious than in our families. Wouldn't you agree? We've got to be growing. We, we're called of God to have a Christian home. Loving, gentle, amazing, Christ-like home. That's what I'm called to have. That's what you're called to have. And every one of us... Every one of us could take another step. And so that's what I'm talking to you about. Here, let's review. I put on the screen to help our review. What's a happy Christian home look like? Well, here was Sunday school. It's a place of humility, gentleness, patience, love, and peace. That's verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4. Learn that. Apply that. That'll change your home. Here it is Sunday morning. Remember Sunday morning? A happy Christian home looks like this. It's a place of honesty without anger, a place of edification, and it's a place of Bible salvation. That's a good place to start. Here was Monday night, or Sunday night, rather, Sunday night. It's a place that speaks grace. Remember that illustration I gave you about eating bread? And not just a little bit, but you pour in the whole platter. There will be a lot of chances in your family to minister grace. Did you know that? Serve grace. Serve grace. Give grace to your husband. Give grace to your wife. Just give a lot of grace. That's what we're to do. And then it's a place without issues. No bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, or malice. And you and I learned Sunday night, didn't we, that we all got issues. Man, we all do. Some are bigger than others, aren't they? Well, we all got issues sometimes our issues is just an area where we haven't grown yet I had this revival several years ago in kentucky And up uh, I preached it wasn't a family revival. it was just a regular church revival And I said to the church sunday morning, how many of you will make it was sunday monday tuesday wednesday How many of you will make a promise to god this sunday morning you will actually kneel and you'll pray this to god god Anything you speak to me about in the next few days i'll obey In this revival anything i'll obey It's a church of, I don't know, four or five hundred. And everybody prayed. Almost everybody prayed that. It was just a really sweet Sunday morning service. Wednesday night, last night of the meeting, I met a lady in the middle aisle. She said, uh, can I talk to you, Brother Young? Well, sure, ma'am. And she said, Brother Young, she said, I prayed that Sunday morning. Whatever God told me to do, I'd do it this week. I prayed it and I meant it. And she said, today I came home from work. And I sat in my living room to do something I have done every day of my adult life. And here's what she said, I'll never forget it. She said, I sat down to watch soap opera. I didn't even know they still had those things on. I didn't have a clue. She said, I sat down to watch it. She said, Brother Young, the moment I sat down to watch it, the Spirit of God just just crawled up in my heart and said, You know what? This doesn't please the Lord. This doesn't please the Lord. This isn't right. You need to give it up. She started crying. I'll never forget this. She started crying. and I mean, she's just bawling. She said, oh, Brother Young. She said, I gave it up. She's just, I mean, she's crying over soap operas. And then she said this. I'll never forget it. She said, uh, and I'm so glad this revival's ending tonight. <laughs> she said, because if I have to give up anything else, I'm not going to have anything left. Well, I, I gotta tell you that I, I guess you could say her issue was soap operas. God love her little heart. Now, I don't know what yours is, but all of us could say, Lord, what is there an issue in my home that's stopping me from having a happy marriage or or being a godly dad or mom? What's the issue that I ought to take care of? It's a place without. It's a place of kindness. It's a place of forgiveness. That was all. That was all. Sunday night. Here was Monday night. That was last night, wasn't it? It's a place of love. I was uh, pretty straight there, wasn't I, a little bit. Challenging you to love God and make it evident that He's first. And, and then to love each other and serve one another and, and, and be aware of each other's needs and minister and be selfless. That's walking in love. A Christian home is a place of purity. It's always awkward a little bit for me to preach on that. But to moms and dads and grandfathers and grandparents, every one of us ought to examine our hearts about purity. We're really struggling today. I don't want to re-preach the sermon, but I can't challenge you enough to think through issues of purity. Don't let your children become addicted to Internet pornography. Don't let them... And moms and dads, you, you can't be careless. You got, you got the Internet in your house. It's, in fact, statistics are, are completely against us. They're not on our side. I read one stat that says in the United States, 93% of the teenagers alive today have already seen pornography and 68% of them have already seen homosexual porn. That's a a, a serious matter. You know what I've discovered in camps I preach at? I I preach for camps, you know, churches like yours come to hear me preach at camp with their teenagers. And I get emails, I get Facebook messages, I get texts. And and I get messages from people that grew up in churches like yours, this kind of church. And I get teenagers messaging me all the time because they're 13 years old and they're addicted already to porn. In our homes. And it's it's not necessarily that we wanted that to happen. That's not something we're trying to cause. It's just that we're living in a generation where we are massively under attack in the area of purity. And mom and dad, you've got to win. You can't be careless. You can't be. You've got to check the phone. You've got to help your son. And don't react. If, you, if in this conference you say, oh, and I'm going to do it, and you go home and look up the history on your child's computer or iPad or smartphone, and you're shocked at what you find, don't let them know you're shocked. Be a matter of fact. Don't respond unwisely. Don't blow up and throw things. And, and, and No, it's, it's time to help. It's time to, to, you need to pray and say, God, I need wisdom to help my son or daughter with this. And you got to lovingly and privately confront them and say, look, what you're doing is wrong and we're going to take care of it. and We're going to help you. And here's how we're going to do it. And I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to memorize verses with you and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to help you to overcome this because I don't want this someday to damage your marriage and your children. Moms and dads, let's win let's overcome it. This is important. A place of love, a place of purity, and a place of gratitude. I was running out of time, and I didn't park there long, but oh, how we ought to be thankful. It's important. God's people especially ought to be grateful and make it a habit to be grateful for everything. I mean, if you have a bad day, thank God for it. Just do it. Thank God it wasn't worse than it was. My brother Scott's son helped me a few weeks ago with a a, a strange day i had one of the greatest revivals i had we had a record attendance in this church the church attendance doubled for a special event and we had souls saved and the power of god moved and, and i got to lead a man to the lord that was really badly i mean it was just an, we left the meeting absolutely on a spiritual high i'm telling you i could not have been more thrilled and i headed home 750 miles i was going to drive in one day with an rv and i made it 245 miles from home and my truck broke down but it broke down on a nice place. I was in the middle of I-10, Interstate 10. And, boy, that's a bad interstate to break down on. But when my truck died, I was near an exit. And I just rolled off that exit. And I got off on the side of the road. So I made it to safety. that No truckers running by me at a high rate of speed. And, and so I was safe there. And uh, then I, I realized I was close to Baton Rouge. And Tyler Scott, pastors in Baton Rouge. And I called him. And uh, he got somebody to come tow my RV to get it off the road. We found a tow truck guy to get my truck to a place. And then I rented a car so I could go on home. Because I knew it was was going to be a few days before that truck got repaired. And I didn't want to stay there. My family was home. I wanted to get home. And I got on the truck, the uh, folks that came to get me. And they were going to take me up to the Baton Rouge Airport. It's the only place open on a Saturday to get a rental car. And on my way to the airport, somebody hacked my only credit card that I was carrying. Somebody in Kentucky charged my credit card. And the credit card company knows I travel a lot. So they flagged it, shut my card down immediately. It doesn't work anymore. And I got to Baton Rouge Airport and I didn't have a credit card. They wouldn't let me rent a car. I thought, are you kidding me? My truck broke down. My, my What in the world? Can't, my car's been you know a, a fraud used fraudulently, and now I can't get a rental car. So I had a young intern with me. I said, can he rent the car and add me as a driver? Oh, they said, sure he can. So they pulled out his credit card. He's only 20. So they wouldn't rent to him because you've got to be 21. <laughs> I thought, are you kidding me? So I finally called brother Tyler Scott, who came to the airport. He rented the car and added me as a driver so I could go home. And I'd already been up, I'd been up since 4 a.m. And now it's 6.30 in the evening. And I still got 245 miles to go. And I headed for home. And I drove, we went back to the RV, packed everything in the RV because all of our clothes were in there and all this stuff. And I headed for home. God, I, I landed in Pensacola. Micah, Brother Self, normally lives in my RV when we're home. He just, rather than rent a place that he never is at, he just moves into my RV. It's been a great deal for several years and, and, but he didn't have the RV, so I called a pastor friend. Has a missions house. They let Micah and this intern stay there. So I get into Pensacola, take an exit. I can see the missions house. I mean, it's right there. It's right 12, 12 o'clock at night. It's midnight now. I'm tired. I've been up since 4 a.m. It's right there. And I'm sitting at a traffic light. Gave me a green arrow. I turn left. And when I did, this little old lady, God bless her. <laughs> she came to the yield sign I have the right-of-way and and I turned she came right through that yield sign and ran over my rental car knocked the bumper right off in the middle of the road the intern he's with me and he starts laughing (laughs) he's not laughing no more he's with Jesus just so y'all know He starts laughing. He said, Brother Young, for the record, I'm not traveling with you ever again. <laughs> we had to get out and, and get a policeman to come. And you know what I mean? But I got to thinking about it. Now, why am I going to be? I was starting to get bothered. You ever, I'm telling you, what in the world? The devil, I was getting mad at everybody. And I, started, I thought, you know, wait a minute. I prayed at 4 a.m. this morning before I hit the road that God would protect me today. And he let, I broke down. But he made sure I broke down. When my truck, when my truck gave it up, he made sure I was at an exit where I could be safe. And then he put Tyler Scott in my life. God bless brother Scott. One of my favorite Michiganders. And, uh, I'm just telling you, God, look what God did. God just, God just took care of me. And and the bumper, I'm thinking, oh my word. Now we've got to deal with all this insurance junk, you know, and it's under his name. It's his card. (laughs) Praise God for that. And, uh, and I thought, what in the world are we going to do? And and I got out after the daylight the next day. I got out and looked at that bumper. There wasn't a thing wrong with it. it just, she just popped it off. You know, these little plastic cars they make now. And I got out there and put some, you know, those little plastic clips back in it, put the thing back on. Didn't change a thing. And, and here, here's, here's the whole point. Here's the whole point. The thing is that life's always got its ups and downs, doesn't it? Learn to be thankful. Just say it a lot. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, children. Thank you, daddy. Thank you, mom. That's what a happy Christian home looks like. And in this simple? I mean, I wish I could give you something so deep that you're all shocked at my profundity. I wish you'd all leave here and go, man, I'm telling you, Dave Young's amazing. Well, no, I'm just telling you, this is simple stuff. And, and nobody here is odd because it's, it's so simple. It's shocking, isn't it? But this is what it takes to have a Christian home. This is what it takes. And there's one more. i got to give you another one tonight. I- I'm skipping some. I'm just, because I could go to chapter 5 and we could talk a little bit about having music in our homes that teaches us the Word of God. We, there's several things in chapter 5, but I, I'm, I'm in a hurry because I want to get somewhere. Would you look tonight all the way down at chapter 5 at verse 21? Because here's something that's really good. And here's where I'm going. I'll just show you on the screen where I'm headed tonight. What in the world does a happy Christian home look like anyway? Well, it's a place of happy, Christ-like marriages. How many of y'all are married? Let me see your hand. Let's poll the crowd. How many of you are happily married? All right, good, good. (laughs) Most of you kept your hands up. That's a blessing. Now, marriage is what? How many of you are not married? How about that? If you're not married, let me see your hand. If you're not married, it's okay if you're not married. Now, how many of you that are not married are thinking perhaps someday you'll change that? Anybody here like that? Oh, we got a group of young people up here. God bless you. Amen. Amen. You're not sure? You're, oh, you had your hand up. I was. You're going to get married someday, you think? Yeah. Well, she says, I hope so. I hope so. I got bad news for you. I got bad news, though. Best looking guy in the world is already taken. At least that's what my wife said. Now, who am I to argue with such a brilliant woman? But uh, there's, there's a Tavian. Tavian's not sure if he's going to marry her good-looking girl or an ugly one. He he, he doesn't know, so um, there's probably a handsome... I mean, there's three billion guys in the world. Surely we can get you married. All right. Now, I'm being a little silly tonight. Marriage is wonderful. Here's what Ephesians is talking to us about being the Christian we ought to be and having the home we ought to have. And he spends more than a few verses on the kind of marriage you ought to have. Here's what he says. Verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God... Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own body. In verse 31, for sake of time, here's what he says. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Hey, what's one plus one? It's one if you're talking Marriage. It's two if you're talking math. Well, I don't know common core, so that might have changed. But uh, uh, one plus one is two unless it's one man and one woman who gets married. And one plus one is one. That's what he's saying here. This is one of the most important verses in the Bible about marriage. Verse 31. For this cause, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined unto his wife. And those two are now one flesh. And verse 33 says, nevertheless... Let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. So in this text, here is a reminder. A reminder of the definition of marriage. All right. Do you agree with this? A biblical marriage is one man who marries one woman for one life. Now, you know, and I know. You know, and I know that divorce is prevalent in our generation. And some of you've experienced it; you've been through it, and 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 you you're aware you're aware that divorce is a major issue of our day. You're aware of that, aren't you? Uh, sometimes it's it's sad. Some sometimes it's shocking almost. It, it's it's startling how flippantly today people end into marriage. Do you do you remember the actress? Uh, how do you say this name? I, I always, my wife's not here, so y'all have to help me. It's ZSA, Zsa is it Ja Ja Gabor. Is, is that how you say it? Okay. Uh, did you know that she's been married nine times? Nine times. That's, that's startling. Did you know that Britney Spears got married and uh, divorced 54 hours later? She holds the record as the shortest celebrity marriage. I mean, divorce 54 hours later. That must have been some fight, huh? Like, can you imagine? What in the world? What in the world? This is a strange hour. Listen, if you're married tonight, I, I'm, if you're divorced tonight, I'm not here to, to beat you and hammer you about that at all. I'm here to simply say tonight that this is God's plan. God's plan for your marriage is that, that you work together and grow together and mature together and you make this marriage last a lifetime. I met a lady today on door-to-door visitation right here in your town. She and her husband just celebrated 67 years. I said, God bless you. God bless her. That's, that's, that's notable today. I met one couple several years ago they've been married 76 years. They were both almost 100 and still happily married even. They were adorable. They flirted. It was just hysterical. I mean, I wouldn't think a 76-year-old would do that for crying out loud, but they did. He t- I mean, they had a little pet, you know, hey, sweetheart, yes, baby doll. That's how they talked to each other. It was just absolutely adorable. And he'd wink at her. He'd say something to me and the preacher, and he'd kind of wink at her. And she'd smile at him, shake her head. It was adorable. They were happily married 76 years. Something about the church today, in our culture, we have this idea, oh, my word, oh, my word, look at that newlywed couple. They'll get over it. I, I, I've heard that. That's wrong. That's wrong. You know what somebody told Micah the other day? Micah's single. He's 27. He's not married yet. He's working on that, planning for that, praying about that. And uh, Micah, Micah's single guy. This guy in the church said to Micah, said, uh, Brother Micah, have you ever heard of the three rings of marriage? Y'all heard this, haven't you? Uh, the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and followed by the suffering." Now, we joke about that kind of stuff, but that's not God's plan. Teenagers, God never wants you to get married and be like, oh, my word, it's so bad being married. Marriage and God's design is to be wonderful. Let me read you a great verse. Can I? This is one of my favorite verses. Let me, I'm going to turn over and read it because you're just going to love it. It's the word of God. This is a good two verses. These are good. You're going to love them. Teenagers, you're especially going to love them. This is the word of God. Now listen, Solomon, Solomon wrote his son about marriage. And here's what he said. Y'all ready for me to read the Bible? If you're ready for me to read the Bible, say, I'm ready. Amen. All right, this is the Bible now. Solomon says to his son, Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. The Bible said that? Well, it sure did. sure did. He says in this passage, are you married? You ought to rejoice with the wife of your youth. In other words, you ought to be happily married. You ought to say, that's my wife. That's my husband. Oh, my soul, we're in love. That's my man. That's my man. That's my woman right there. You ought to be madly in love. Rejoicing. There ought to be happiness in a marriage. If you're here tonight and there's a hesitation in your heart about that, then you need this message. And you need tomorrow night's message. Because God's plan for your home is that you have a happy marriage. One of the greatest gifts you will ever give to your children is the illustration of a happy marriage. One of the greatest gifts you'll give your grandkids is a happy, successful marriage. They need to see it. It ought to be evident that marriage is special in the church. He says, be happily married. He says, we're to be satisfied in our marriage. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times is a Bible statement that God designed the relationship of a husband and wife. The physical sexual relationship was God's idea. Forgive my frankness. You've got a television. You've heard worse. This is the Bible. God, so Hollywood didn't come up with human sexuality. God did. It's his idea. Designed for marriage. Sacred to marriage. Special to marriage. And then he says this, and I like this one. He says, be thou ravished. Always with her love. Isn't that a good word? Ravished. That's how, that's, that's how, that's how you pronounce it in the Hebrew, okay? <laughs> ravished. You got to say it. like. It doesn't make sense if you don't say it like that. If you just say, be thou ravished always with her love, it loses its element of truth there. The point of it is, be thou ravished. You know what the word means? It means to be intoxicated. The Hebrew word means intoxicated. It does not mean, well, if I was married to her, I'd drink too. That's that's not what it means. Or, Or vice versa. What it means is I'm so madly in love with Bethly Joy that I'm, I'm just drunk with my love for her. I'm so in love with her. That's the woman of my dreams. I, I love her the day I've married her and I love her more than I ever have and we're happily married and we're going to be happily married and we're working at it and we want to keep working at it because we want this kind of marriage. And, and that's what Paul is trying to tell us in Ephesians 5. If we're not careful, we can get so caught up in the uh, statements, love your wife, submit to your husband, that we miss the fact that marriage is something Wonderful. And the reason he says love your wife and submit to your husband is that's part of making it something wonderful. He wants your marriage to work. Are you still in Ephesians 5? Are you still there? Because here's a reminder of the definition of marriage and also the permanence of marriage. I've been hammering that kind of a little bit. Here's how my daddy said it. If your mom ever leaves me, I'm going with her. (laughs) He told us kids that one day. And it was my dad's country boy way of saying, we're in this for the long haul. We're going to make it work. Marriages are never easy things. Did you know that? I had a guy say to me not long ago, he said, well, Brother Young, we've been married 19 years. And he said, my wife and I, we have never had a crossword. And I smiled at him and said, why aren't you two living together? <laughs> and I think I offended him. Because if you're living with somebody and you've never had a crossword with them, you must be dead. Cause it's only natural that sometime along the way you're gonna rub somebody the wrong way I mean that's just how life is isn't it now we're to grow in that mature through that my dad had it right I'm going with it we're gonna stay married happy Christ there's a reminder in this passage of what a marriage is by definition and that it's to last a long time and then there's a responsibility in this passage all of you that just raised your hand said you're married you got a responsibility and all of you that someday think you'll be married, all you kids up here, pay attention now, guys, because you've got a responsibility if you get married. And girls, you've got a responsibility if you get married. So you pay attention. Pay attention and write this down in your heart and, and learn this, because here's what he says. Now look in Ephesians 5. He tells us that there is a responsibility to love. I, I threw that on your screen. There's a responsibility to love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He says it again in verse 33. Nevertheless, that every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Let me read you from Titus, ladies. Paul wrote to Titus, and he was telling Titus to teach. And, and he said, Titus, you've got to teach people how to live the Christian life. And he said, here's one of the things that, that we're to teach ladies. He said, we've got to teach the ladies in our churches to love their husbands. So, husbands, wives... You have a responsibility to love. How many of you know that this is true? This is an Adrian Rogers quote. Um, At least I heard he said it was anonymous, but I got it from him. Love is what you do, not what you feel. You know, I've been shocked how many times in counseling, my wife and I will be counseling a couple, and she will say this, I just don't feel like I love him anymore. Or he'll say it. I just don't feel like I love her anymore. Here's what I know every single time that's said. The issue is not feelings. The issue is doings. Cuz you know why you fall in love with a person enough to marry them? Because they do. Which leads you to feel. That's the divine order. See, would it shock you if I told you there was a day I didn't love my wife? It's true. I didn't love her. You know why? Because I was a boy in Tennessee and she was a girl in Ohio. I didn't know I didn't I didn't know her. I'd never met her, had no clue who she was. We went to college together for three years and never met each other. But our senior year, we were introduced at a soccer game on a Friday night, top row of the bleachers. I don't know who won, but I did. <laughs> I remember the night I I remember sitting on the top row of the bleachers and staring into those beautiful blue eyes of this Yankee girl I just met. And I, oh man, I thought she is beautiful. I remember it. I did. I remember it. She looked at me and thought, what a man. That's not funny. See, we didn't even know each other. We just met that night. I mean, I thought she was beautiful, and I guess she thought I was handsome. We didn't know each other, but we started doing. I uh, wrote her some notes, took her on some dates, and, and we started talking. I bought her flowers, and, and we started serving, growing, and our, our love started growing. And, and, and there came a day that I said to her, Will you marry me? And she said, Yes, I will. And we had a wedding. We got married. The feelings came because there was doing. If you're here tonight in your marriage, there's not any feelings left. I can tell you the steps you've got to take to get those feelings back. You've got to start doing again. You, 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 you've got to start over. Somewhere along the way, you stop buying flowers. You stop writing love letters. You, you stop Texting flirty things and, and and you stop serving you stop making his favorite meal Love is what you do not what you feel The feelings will come but only if you're doing you stop the doing and I will tell you that the feelings would also stop That's just how life is We got a responsibility to invest in our marriages, which is why once a week if i'm home And if my wife is with me on the road, once every week, we set aside a day and have a date. We do it once a week. It's harder when our kids were younger, but we even worked at it then. We worked at it. We would hire teenagers in churches to stay with our kids so we could go on a date. We would do it. I'd pay them. I'd ask the pastor, who can I trust that would take care of my kids for an hour? And sometimes we'd do something silly. We'd go to Bigby Coffee, get a cup of coffee and sit and talk. Sometimes we couldn't afford Big Me. We'd go to McDonald's, get a cup of coffee, and sit and talk. Just an investment. Sometimes we couldn't even afford McDonald's. We'd go walk in the cemetery. You know what? That's right. There's flowers everywhere. Now I'm being a little silly tonight, but that's the truth. We did. We've actually gone for dates in a cemetery. My wife loves to read tombstones, old tombstones. That's one of her things. She just always loved that. We'd pick out an old cemetery somewhere, just wander through it holding hands and wonder, you know, here's a little one, wonder, wonder what that was like. And we just talk, just talk. It's an investment in my marriage. My wife loves, <laughs> loves the melting pot. You ever gone to one of those, it's one of those fondue restaurants? Oh, my word. Costs a ton to go. She loves them. We go once a year if there's a Groupon. I look. I mean, I'm telling you, once a week I look on Groupon to see if there's a Groupon for the melting pot. And, and you guys that haven't eaten in one, uh, God's sure been good to you. Uh, <laughs> you cook every bite of food at the table. They bring your food raw, you know, and you, you spear a piece of meat and stick it in the broth and you talk. And it cooks a while. It takes three days to eat supper. <laughs> My wife loves that. She said, you know, honey, I share you with people all over the world. But when we go to the melting pot, it's me and you. Three hours. Just me and her. We always get dessert. It's worth every dime I spend to do that occasionally. It's an investment in our marriage. That's love. Your marriage won't work if you're not investing. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to go to a melting pot. I... I, uh, we 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 write letters to each other. In our kitchen, we got a little mailbox up on the shelf above the sink, about that big. It's got a little red flag on it. It's our mailbox. I'll write my wife a note, stick it in the mailbox, raise the flag. So she'll come in and do dishes, and the flag's up. Ding 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 ding. Dave's the man. Now, <laughs> is that simple, Z? So not just a thank you note. Sweetheart, you made a wonderful meal last night. I'm a lucky man to be married to such an amazing woman. I'm investing in my marriage. That's all it is, an investment. It's a deposit. I'm depositing in the account of my marriage. And, and that accounts, boy, it's paying dividends. Sometimes she writes me a note, and the kids have to help her. They do, because I miss it all the time. Charity, I went in that day. She's sitting at the kitchen snack bar, and, and she's doing her homeschool. We homeschool and she's doing her, her she's writing some test or something and she's writing and I came in and she's like <clears throat> And I looked at my charity and she's like And and I was like Okay, I was busy. I go back to doing what I was doing. She was like <clears throat> It took her three times before it finally registered what was going on. The flag's up! Oh, I didn't raise that flag. That must be for me. Now, you've got to get up pretty early to get one on Dave Young. Probably by noon at least, all right? It's an investment. That's all it is. I don't know what you ought to do, but love's what you do. It's what you do. It's what you do. Here's how Adrian Rogers says it. If a couple doesn't love each other more now than the day they got married, they love less. Because love is never static. It's either growing or declining. Which is yours? Which is yours? Love has to be shown. Has to be said. Has to be sustained. And it needs to be shouted. Say, what do you mean? Get a bullhorn, stand out front and yell at your wife? No, do fine if you want to. It's up to you. What I mean is your love ought to be louder than any argument. Louder than any disagreement. It ought to be louder than any person she works with. It ought to be louder than any person he works with. You got a job with a desk? Get a big old picture of your bride and put it on there. Talk about her every time somebody's around your desk. This is my wife. You ever met my wife? This is my wife. This is the love of my life right here. The woman of my dreams. Shout your love. Let the whole world know we are in love. Make it a big deal. I mean, just celebrate it. Say it a lot. Buy a bumper sticker. Ride it in the sky. Fire a plane and ride it in the sky. But shout your love. Because you have a responsibility to love and you have a responsibility to lead. Marriage requires leadership. And and here's here's what leadership is all about in Ephesians 5. And I I threw it on the screen just because I'm almost done. Loving leadership is the husband's primary responsibility. But loving leadership, always in a marriage, has to be coupled with loving submission. Wives, your primary responsibility when it comes to leadership is to submit lovingly. And husbands, you're to lead. Lovingly. Don't let that scare you. Simple. So, so, husbands, you, you need to be leading. You need to take the leadership. You need uh, to, to verbalize, communi- communicate. This is where we're going. This is what we want to do. And you're to do it lovingly. Nowhere in the Bible do you find this dictator idea: hey, woman, I'm the man of this house. That's not in the Bible. That's not how Jesus leads his church. He leads his church gently lovingly and in a process of time. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't hold it against you, that you've still got a long way to go? See, that's leadership. You're to lovingly lead. Is there something that's not right in your marriage, your family, your home, husband? You're to take the initiative. So let's say, let's say that, that, boy, that things are really t- t- tight. They're tense. It's, boy, it's tough at home right now then husband, you ought to be seeking God. How can I lead things to be better at my house? That's your job. You're the man. God called you and gives you the responsibility to lovingly lead. You know, a lot of guys don't lead. They want their wife to follow, but they're not leading. And some guys throw up their hands and say, well, I tried and she wouldn't listen. Yeah, but you're still responsible, so keep trying. And, and don't be angry. Don't be frustrated. Don't be bothered. Don't be upset. Lead. You lead by communicating. You lead, first of all, by knowing where you're going. And you communicate it. You say, you know what, this is what we ought to do. And wives, you lovingly submit. Here's the idea. Wives, what you do is you say to your husband, hey, honey, we got this problem. What should we do about it? Ask him to lead. Honey, I don't know what to do about this situation. Tell me what to do about it. Help me here. Uh, leadership is when you take the initiative to solve problems and to set the tone. Did you know sometimes our generation says like, things like this? You ever heard this? Well, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. I'm going to tell you that's not true if daddy's leading. Did I say that right? That's not true if daddy's leading. Mama, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Is not true if daddy's leading. See, God designed you as a lady to be emotional. That's your God given makeup. You're designed that way. God designed you men to logically lead without the emotion of leadership. How many of you wives, how many of you wives understand that God made you emotional? You you you're thinking of everything. You, your, your brain's like this. I mean, it's just like... your husband's not that way at all. His brain's like this. (laughs) Now we chuckle about him. It's true, isn't it? Which is why God wants your husband to lead. Because he knows that the kids are driving you crazy. And this is driving you crazy. And you have nothing to wear. And your hair won't do anything for crying out loud. And and I'm being a little silly. But see, God God designed us differently. And in the marriage, in a marriage relationship, a home, he wants a husband to lead. And he wants a husband to calmly and matter-of-factly and quietly and on purpose and, 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 and simply and lovingly to take the initiative. And, and wives, you're to help him. You're to say, hey, sweetheart, how should we handle this? What, what should we do about this? We've got this need. And your husband may say, you know what? I don't have an opinion, so you decide. And, and so then, decide. But husbands, you should decide. There may be an issue where it's not that big a deal. But you should lead. You should lead. You should lead. You should lead. And wives, you should submit. Now be careful. Be careful. Because here's the husband's danger. The husband's danger is he doesn't doesn't do anything. He just clams up. Just goes through life. Just whatever, 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 whatever. That will not work. That's not God's plan for marriage. The wife's danger, the wife's danger is that she gets frustrated. And so she tends to... She tends to, without even being aware of it, forgive the word, rebel. It's it's like this. Rebellion, if you were doing sign language, rebellion is a fist pulled back. If you were speaking a sign language to to a deaf person, this is rebellion. It's rebellion. My sign language for rebellion is this. Leaning away. That won't work in a mirror. God doesn't want a husband to clam up and just whatever, whatever, and do nothing. He wants you to, on purpose, get involved and lead. And he wants you as a wife not to lean away from your husband, but watch this, to lean towards him. Honey, what do you want me to do here? Lean his way. My wife goes overboard about it. She does. She leans my way. She's, what, a thousand miles from me right now periodically when I'm like this, she'll text me. Sweetheart, we got this situation with the kids. How do you want me to handle it? She's a brilliant woman. And that's the truth. But she looks to me. She's leaning my way. She's looking to me for me to lead. God wants those two to work together. God wants you men to stand up and take the initiative. Not some redneck dictator but a loving godly man who says let's take our home and do this let's lead our home like this let's show our home this let's go in this direction that's God's plan are you all with me tonight he wants you wives to lean his way If if he likes chocolate chip cookies without walnuts make chocolate chip cookies without walnuts isn't that dumb but silly and simple lean his way Am I making sense? My wife loves chocolate chip cookies with walnuts, but she's never made them since we've been married. Because I don't. I have never in my house had a chocolate chip cookie that she made with a walnut in it. Now, I wish she would because I wouldn't eat them. I'd be a lot healthier if she'd do it, but she won't do it. She makes me chocolate chip cookies with walnuts or without walnuts, and I'm, I can't help it. I don't know, there's something about a chocolate chip cookie that just came out of the oven. I can't help it. I need a dozen in a heartbeat. How many of you men on my side? Say amen. I can't. I'm telling you, I love them. They're wonderful. She just leans my way. Now, listen. Listen, we have a responsibility, and this is the last thing. We have a God-given responsibility to love, to lead, and I like this one, to learn. Let's close. We're out of time. We've got to learn to meet each other's needs, don't we? What does your wife need? Meet her needs. Is she a talker? Then here's how you meet her need. Here's how you meet her need. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> See, you're, you're, to be a, you're to be a master at meeting each other's needs. Uh, is her love language touch? Then hug her. Well, I just, I don't like her. I just, I'm not. Stop it. Meet her needs. Meet his. Is his need words of affirmation? Then become a master at words of affirmation. I mean, if, if that's his love language, if he feels most fulfilled when you tell him how wonderful he is, do it every day. You're the man. Maybe you're the man. You are twice the man I married. Some of you guys are. Those chocolate chip cookies will do that to you. See, you're to build. You're to meet meet each other's needs in every phase of life. Some of you are getting older now, and things aren't like they were when you first got married, but you're still to meet each other's needs. Maybe maybe her health is not as good as it used to be. Meet her needs. There's something beautiful about an older couple, and and she's feeble now, and he feeds her. His food gets cold. He's feeding her. He's meeting her needs. So you're newlyweds. She's married to you. Meet her needs. Meet his. You got a baby coming now, and it's three in the morning. She's wanting fries. Get out of bed and man up. That's why you're twice the man. You're going for fries. Might as well get you some, amen? (laughs) We're eating not for two. We're eating for three now. Her and a baby and me. See, meat needs. Meat needs. Meat needs. Meat needs. That's how you have a happy marriage. You've got to learn. My wife's kind of hitting that, you know, menopausal stage. That's a different stage. Sometimes I am freezing to death because she's burning up. And the air conditioner is set at 27. And I'm like, sweetheart, what are you doing? It's an ice bath. I am burning up. I am burning up. I am just burning. This house is just, I am burning up. And an hour later, we'll get in bed, and I'm like, baby, it is hot. I, know I am freezing. I am freezing. I said, is that, is the, it's, honey, it's 90 degrees outside and the heat's on. Honey, I am, I am freezing. Get me another blanket. And you know what? I I can either get all bothered. You know what a lot of couples do at this time of life? They start, oh my word. No, you're to be in love. Learn to meet each other's needs. Learn to solve every problem. I threw all kinds of verses on the screen. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. A soft answer turns away wrath. These are all verses about speaking and listening and being kind to one another. I'm out of time, so I'm skipping them. We're to listen. Yeah, we're going to learn how, we got to learn how to fight. Like Christian. Not throwing stuff and raising our voice and mad at the world and yelling at each other, but with a soft answer, listening to one another to understand. Sometimes in our marriage, we, we call it behind closed doors. We never argue unless we go to the bedroom and close the door just me and her. Kids don't know. They know we're in there on purpose, that something's a little tense. We're not going to fuss in front of them. We go close the door and talk it over. I've learned how to do it. And we're not experts at it. We're still learning. Sometimes we just have to say, you know what? Uh, You see it that way and I see it this way and I'm madly in love with you and so if you'll forgive me, I'll forgive you and we'll just move on. And we're okay. Let's do it. Or sometimes I have to say, goodness, sweetheart, I didn't know I made you feel that way. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Learn how to solve your problems. Lower your voice. Don't raise your voice at each other. A soft answer turns away wrath. Lower your voice. Church, this is helpful. Learn it. You're married. You're to learn. You're to learn. And you're going to learn to laugh. And I'm going to close right there. Are you married? Learn to laugh for crying out loud. Laugh. Just enjoy life together. Laugh. Laugh at stuff. Laugh at stuff the kids do. And laugh at stuff people say. And laugh a lot. Smile at each other. The joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy. God wants you to have a spirit-filled Christian home and there ought to be some joy there there They say but times are hard times are hard. Yeah, but but learn to laugh even in the hard times I mean sometimes just sit down and just laugh just flat-out laugh Look for reasons to laugh you you people that have young children Don't throw up your hands and all the frustrations of the world work on them work on them train them train them teach them teach them but laugh laugh a lot have a sense of humor I mean, for crying out loud, you might as well. You might as well laugh and just enjoy it. When we look back, sometimes the things you'll say in a marriage for crying out loud, the things you'll disagree over, oh, my word, oh, my word. We've, we've had a few arguments on the way to church. When we were first married. Maybe we had this one argument on the way to church. And, uh, it, you know, then you have to fake it. Because you're on the way to church and you're mad and she's mad and you're just really uptight at each other and you go, "Hello, brother. God bless you, sister." Sometimes we've sat in Sunday school and I had to say, "I'm sorry." Yeah, I'm sorry too. Then you know, after if you're married, you kiss and make out. I mean, make up. (laughs) This is marriage. This is marriage. If you'll come back tomorrow night, I'll give you two more. Here's here's what Ephesians is showing us, a reminder and a responsibility. But there's two more. A marriage ought to be a relationship and a romance, a romance. You do not want to miss tomorrow night, a romance. It's my favorite part of preaching on marriage It's talking about the romance. Kids, come tomorrow night and take notes. I mean, bring your phone and videotape it for future reference because I'm going to preach on romance tomorrow night. And you don't want to miss it. Now look, you know somebody, you know somebody that could use help in their marriage and you ought to get them here tomorrow night. And I hope you will. I hope you'll come. Don't miss it for anything in the world. Mike is going to preach to your kids. You want them to be here. They're learning the Word of God. And, and boy, the Lord's working in their heart. Let the Lord work in yours. Most of you are married tonight and God wants your marriage to be greater than it already is or better than it already is. And, and, and just work on it. Work on it, work on it. This is part of what a happy Christian home looks like anyway. Have I made sense tonight? That's what it looks like. Family Conference 2017. Well, I did it again. I see. Somebody said they're used to it. Pastor, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Would you... Um, Would you agree that we ought to pray about our marriages and our family? Go ahead and do it. Take a moment and have a word of prayer. Ask God to help you. I'm going to step off the platform and and, uh, you you can play a couple of verses. I'm going to step off the platform. I'll turn the mic off. But there might be something you'd want me to pray with you about. And, you know, the the house, God's house should be called a house of prayer. And uh, if you've got a situation in your marriage or your family you'd like somebody just, I won't pray long, but a, It may just be one of you or two of you But if you'd like me to have a word of prayer with you While people are praying across the building Pray with your wife if you can Say at least a brief word of prayer If you can He'll play Pray with your spouse if you can But if you'd like help I'm right here When you're done praying, stand Okay? When you're done praying, stand And we'll know it's time to go So so it's okay Just as whenever Whenever you're done, you can stand Bless you for being here tonight. Thank you so much for listening to God's Word. I saw a meme on Facebook the other day, it said, do you ever wake up, think about how lucky you are, look at the person beside you and kiss them soundly? And then the meme at the bottom said, well I just did. And apparently I'm not welcome on this airlines anymore. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, wow. Listen, God's on your side. Not my name's Dave. Uh, if I can pray with you, God's able to do Miracles Church and fall in love with Jesus and let him grow you and mature you and have a sweet, godly, happy home. This is a great thing in our day. And I'm glad pastors let me invest in you and share my heart with you. If I can help you at the table, let me. Got a couple of books there. Raising God's Kids,